Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. This is a Vault Studios production. I'm Reed Redmond. I'm Spencer Brudig. I'm Will Johnson. This show contains graphic material and is meant for mature audiences. This week on True Crime Chronicles. I was with that family until about 12.30 after midnight. And uh, uh, it was devastating being over there last night, seeing Dad going through all the pain and grief and everything he was going through. This week on True Crime Chronicles, we travel to Houston, Texas. It's here that six-year-old Samuel Olson is living with his father. He already has a big personality for such a little age. He's often seen by his family with a huge smile on his face, singing, dancing, or tossing up sassy peace signs. But soon, a terrible tragedy happens to Samuel Olson and his family, one that has many questions that remain unanswered even today. So kind of the way we first got involved is on Memorial Day, May 31st, we got a tip that a boy was missing. This is Adam Bennett, an investigative reporter for KHOU in Houston. Apparently the boy's biological father, Dalton Olson, had reported him missing the afternoon of May the 27th from a home on the city's southwest side. And he apparently told police that the father's girlfriend, Teresa Balboa, had had control, care, and custody of Samuel Olson. And he had said that a few hours earlier, apparently, uh, that girlfriend had told the father that the boy's biological mom had taken Samuel away from that property that morning. Police traveled to the apartment complex of Dalton's girlfriend, Teresa Balboa, to get her statement and begin the investigation into missing Samuel. But she's not there. Investigators were searching an apartment in Southeast Houston that we later learned belonged to uh, the boy's father's girlfriend. They'd also towed a car away from the scene and involved Houston police. It also involved a group called Texas EquiSearch, which for those listeners who are not in Houston, basically any kind of high profile missing persons case in our area, they're usually involved. They've been doing it for more than 20 years. The founder of the group, his own daughter was abducted and murdered in 1984, and that spurred him to create this group to help search for missing people. So he had his team of volunteers out there. They were searching some of the nearby overgrown brush. They were using ATVs. And police had told us at the scene that the last time anyone outside of the boy's family had seen Samuel Olson was April 30th, more than a month before that day and they had last seen him at his school. Samuel's paternal grandmother releases a statement begging for anyone with information to please come forward. He loves dinosaurs. He can tell you which ones are herbivores and carnivores, and he puts them in the hibiscus trees and lets them eat, and he loves Buzz Lightyear and Woody and Forky. He's got a really funny personality. And he jokes about my name because I'm his egg. 
and the possibility of trusting someone you thought you knew could do this? We have to have answers. Now, whether the other families involved, I don't know. But whoever it is, this is Sam. He, he just turned six. We didn't even get to spend his birthday with him. The one moment from that story that really stuck out for me was Tim Miller, the founder of Texas EquiSearch. Again, he has decades of experience searching for missing people. And he had a quote where he told our reporter, I sure the hell don't think this is gonna have a happy ending. As police begin diving into the last known whereabouts of Samuel, his father and mother, and the rest of the adults that have been known to take care of him, no answers are gained. Instead, family members give differing accounts of seeing certain people at different times and places, and no one can seem to pinpoint when Samuel was last seen by family. It's kind of a messy family dynamic, right? You have the boy's biological father, Dalton Olson. Again, he was the one who had reported his son missing. He said that uh, nobody outside the boy's family had seen him for over a month. You have Dalton's girlfriend, Teresa Balboa, who we later would find out was charged with allegedly choking Dalton Olson back in November the prior year. So clearly uh, that was not seemingly the healthiest of relationships. And then you had the boy's biological mother, Sarah Olson, who we heard from a little bit later. And she, I think it's fair to say, there's no love lost between her and Dalton Olson. She told us she felt like Dalton was involved somehow and should be charged in this case. Of course, we haven't seen any evidence of that. There have been no charges filed up to this point. The parents, her and Dalton, had been involved in a custody battle over Samuel after filing for divorce in January of 2020. The lawyer for uh, the mom had told us that, you know, she had primary custody, uh, but had been denied for months from getting to the child and had had no access since January of 2020. And uh, the mom told us that the last time she saw her son was at his birthday party in May of 2020 and that apparently she had planned to take the boy home that day, but Dalton, the father, had denied her that opportunity and had also prevented her from communicating with Samuel after that day. Uh, and she had said in a press conference that Dalton had actually told her he would never speak to her own son again. She called police, but they had told her it was a civil matter, and so she had to take him to court. So this was a really, really messy family dynamic going into this case. One day after Samuel is reported missing, the search officially begins. The first major break in the case comes when a Crime Stopper tip comes in, claiming that they had seen Samuel in a hotel over 100 miles outside of the city. Police go there. It's a motel room in Jasper. This is about 150 miles away from Houston, about a two and a half hour drive. And investigators show up, and sure enough, they find a boy's body inside. We later learn from the court documents the sequence of events leading up to that. The night of May 31st, Teresa Balboa, Samuel's father's girlfriend, met a man in a Walmart parking lot in Cleveland, Texas, maybe 45 minutes north of Houston. The man apparently, this other man, brought a pickup to that parking lot, and then they allegedly drove to a storage unit in Webster, which 
for people not from the Houston area, that's about an hour away from Cleveland, Texas, without traffic. Once there, prosecutors say they picked up a storage container that had a foul odor, and then they drove to the Best Western in Jasper, which again is about two and a half hours away. At 3.30 in the morning, the next morning, June 1st, prosecutors say that surveillance video shows a pickup pulling up, registered to a man who we later would learn is named Dylan Walker. It shows a man enter the lobby and check in, giving a driver's license, return to the pickup, unload a black plastic bin, and then take it into room 106. The man then leaves the motel a couple hours later, allegedly later, is the same person that called Crime Stoppers and gave them that tip about that foul-smelling bin at the motel. That call was made the, the afternoon of June 1st, I believe it was around 5.30 or so in the afternoon. It only took a few minutes for police to arrive. Uh, with the help of the manager, they're able to get into the room because they said nobody initially answered when they knocked. They find the bin in the room. It is secured with zip ties, and they find Teresa Balboa in the bathroom. Police say once the officers there open that bin, they find a small human body in a black plastic bag wrapped in duct tape. Caught with the body in her possession, investigators place Teresa Balboa under arrest. And eventually they bring her from Jasper back to the Harris County Jail, I believe it was a day or two later, where she's then charged with tampering with evidence, a human corpse. She's not charged with murder initially, but the DA told us she could face more charges once that autopsy is complete. And they held her in jail, where she still is now on a $600,000 bond. After she is arrested and booked into jail, more court documents become available that shed light on the events leading up to Samuel's disappearance and murder. We actually have to go back to May 10th. This is where prosecutors say Balboa called her roommate, who we later find out is a guy named Benjamin Rivera, and allegedly told him that Olson was dead more than two weeks before he was first reported missing. So that roommate, Benjamin Rivera, allegedly then came home and saw Samuel Olson's lifeless body on the bed covered in bruises. Prosecutors say he and Balboa then moved Olson's body into a bathtub. And then they say three days later, May 13th, that Rivera bought duct tape and a plastic tote at a local Walmart. Apparently investigators found the receipt from that purchase. They say that the two then put Olson's body inside that storage container and drove the body to a unit at a storage unit in Webster, uh, which is not too far from the apartment complex where Rivera and Teresa Balboa were living. Although found with the body in her possession, Teresa Balboa says that several weeks before, Samuel was forcibly taken from her by the boy's biological mother and an unidentified police officer. Police say that they went and talked to Sarah Olson about this and that surveillance video from her home proves that she never left the home that day. It takes over a week to confirm that the small body found is indeed six-year-old Samuel Olson. The report also states that his death is no accident. The medical examiner confirms the news that we all expected, but still a lot of people dreaded, that the body is in fact Samuel Olson's. And they also ruled that the death 
was no accident. They said the manner of death was homicidal violence and the cause was blunt force trauma to the head. As Adam dives deeper into his own investigation, questions keep coming up about other players in this case and why further charges have not been brought against them. I will tell you one of the questions that I kept having when I would call police or I would call the DA's offices, hey, what about this roommate who the court documents say admitted to knowing that Samuel Olson was dead May 10th, he drove to a Walmart and bought a plastic tote and put the boy's body inside. Why has he not been charged yet? And then same thing with this alleged Crime Stoppers tipster that still, police say, drove the boy's body to this motel room in Jasper. How have these guys not been charged? And the explanation that I was getting was along the lines of, look, there are almost certainly going to be more charges coming, but we need to make sure that this case is airtight. We wanna make sure that we have all our facts lined up, kind of a measure twice, cut once sort of situation where this is so high profile of a case that they have to get this right. And sure enough, about three weeks later, Benjamin Rivera is arrested and charged with tampering with evidence, a human corpse. In Texas, tampering with evidence is usually a third degree felony, which means it's punishable by up to 10 years in prison. But when it involves a body, it's an enhanced penalty. It's now a second degree felony. So that means that anybody, if they're convicted of this charge, could spend up to 20 years in prison. So that is the charge that Benjamin Rivera is facing. A day after that is when they arrest Dylan Walker. Again, this is the alleged Crime Stoppers tipster He's the guy that is accused of helping move Samuel's body to a motel room in Jasper. I believe that the court documents said that Teresa Balboa was claiming that uh, she had had a, a fight and needed some help. Um, but it's, you know, it's it's just it, it's hard to imagine, you know, that what what would make somebody want to drive an hour to a storage unit, pick up a container that apparently has a foul odor and then drive two and a half hours to Southeast Texas to a motel room. I'm just curious of what the explanation would be. So a third person is arrested in connection to Samuel's death. Dylan Walker is arrested by Texas Rangers and indicted on a felony charge of tampering with physical evidence. For Samuel's family and the community he grew up in, this case has been on the forefront of their minds since his disappearance. They now must wait for extended court battles to finish to finally understand what might have happened. As someone who has covered this case extensively, Adam shares his final thoughts on it and how the process of piecing together a mystery like this comes slowly and often without the clarity and answers that are wanted by all. It's frustrating for our viewers, but it's also frustrating for us too because we want all the answers right off the bat. We wanna know what happened and we wanna be able to share that with people, especially when it's a case as tragic as this, when it's just this innocent young boy who loses his life for no apparent reason. And all this information that I'm sharing with you today came through a lot of phone calls, a lot of repeated questions, a lot of digging through court documents, and a lot of getting that information little by little, piece by piece. And it is frustrating. I understand why investigators don't want to share too much too early because I get that 
Doing so can sometimes jeopardize their investigation, but we want to know what happened too, and we want to be able to share that. And as we're talking now, we still don't have all the answers as to what happened. And to me, there are some really big unanswered questions here, namely, why, what happened, of course, but why was this kid allowed to be with the particular people that he was? Why was he with Teresa Balboa when she had these charges against her, against the boy's father and this protective order? Who allowed that to happen? What was the family dynamic that allowed that situation to take place? And, you know, the other frustrating thing is some, and I get it, I, I get why families don't want to talk at such a difficult time. I mean, this is the most tragic thing imaginable. And here you have reporters cold calling you, people that you don't know, wanting to ask you these deeply personal questions and share it with the public. So I don't fault people for not wanting to talk to us, but I do wish we could get some answers on some of these questions because this case deserves those answers. This kid deserves that story to be told. And who knows how many other kids are in similar situations out there like the one he was in. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. For True Crime Chronicles, I'm Will Johnson, along with Spencer Brudig and Reed Redman. Spencer, you know, we cover these cases week after week. This one, I don't know if I could have easily put all this together. This is so heartbreaking on just so many levels, but you're dealing with a little boy. Yeah, I mean, you know, every every case we cover is uh, is generally very tragic and very sad, but anytime you're dealing with a little, little kid like this, it just adds that extra kind of punch of emotion that I think Adam really clearly um, expresses in this episode. Yeah, I mean, I remember this was such big news as this was playing out, following and just hoping that it would have a different outcome. And, you know, I'm just sort of sick to my stomach thinking about all of the people who followed this story, hoping for the same thing, only to, to learn that Samuel had been killed well before he was even reported missing. Yeah, and I think a lot of people that actually took part in the search itself were, as you said, I mean, they were hoping that maybe he had, was just with, there seemed to be a, a, a large a group of people that kind of took care of him, watched him at different times. And I think maybe they were thinking maybe he had gotten lost in the shuffle of someone had taken him. Um, but unfortunately it had the outcome that it did. Spencer, I know there are a few updates we wanted to chat about here. Uh, one being charges in the case and the other being something having to do with the, uh, an actual murder weapon, right? Most recently, Teresa Balboa, who had been, everyone had been charged with tampering of evidence. That was Teresa Balboa, her roommate, Benjamin Rivera, and then Dylan Walker. The three of them had been charged with tampering of evidence. But uh, most recently, she was charged with capital murder. And in Texas, capital murder is the charge that can lead to a sentence uh, that involves the death penalty. So we will see in the coming months as her case progresses uh, what will happen to her as the person that has been charged with Samuel Olson's murder. And also, the prosecution has recently announced that they believe that they have found the object that was used to actually kill Samuel Olson. So uh, this was considered a huge victory for the prosecution, um, and, and we'll see how that plays out uh, in the months to come. 
I wanted to ask about one of the other names you mentioned, uh, Dylan Walker, who's who's charged in this case. That's the same person who called in with the tip that led to the body, right? Yes, it is. It absolutely is. And, and no one's exactly sure uh, what his relationship with Teresa was. I'm sure that that information will come to light during the trial. Uh, but I, I think what's, what's very interesting about this is I want to kind of first explain how Crime Stoppers actually works very briefly, and then that will kind of lead into how this all played out with Dylan Walker. So Crime Stoppers is pretty simple. You call this phone number, which is 822-1111, and it, that connects you with the command center, and they will never ask your name or any information. They can never call you back. They can't send you any uh, mail. You always have to call them, and they assign you a random number with a password, and that's how you get in contact with them. And if you provide information that leads to an arrest, you don't have to testify. You don't ever need to be revealed. They will send you a cash sum of money at a bank of your choice all anonymously. But what's interesting is Dylan Walker, who we now know took part in this crime and was charged with the tampering of evidence, he made that call right after being a part of the crime. And he gave his name and information because he wanted them to know that he was the one that was actually making this call. But because he was charged with a crime, he could not collect any cash reward. So he that is void. He can't collect the Crime Stoppers uh, cash. And um, he's, he's most likely going to go to jail. Spencer, I was really also interested to hear uh, Texas AccuSearch involved in this case. We've covered a ton of cases in Texas where we have talked about Texas AccuSearch and their involvement in high-profile cases and even not-so-high-profile cases. But it was interesting to hear about some of the background of Texas AccuSearch because they come up so often uh, in these Texas cases. Yeah, they seem to be a very prevalent uh, resource that law enforcement and families use all over Texas. And like Adam described, the founder of Texas AccuSearch, his daughter was kidnapped and murdered, and he has dedicated his life to finding resolutions for families that have lost loved ones. And that founder, Tim Miller, he really seems to be everywhere. I was just working on a story for our other podcast, The Daily Crime, this week that uh, involved a press conference that he was giving. So he's, he's all over the place doing this work. All right, Spencer, thanks to you for your work on this episode and also Adam Bennett at KHOU in Houston, Texas. Uh, Spencer, people can learn more about us on our Facebook group. That's right. We have uh, well over 6,000 true crime fans in a Facebook group called Inside the Crime Vault. We hope to see you in that group to discuss this case and other cases like it with like-minded true crime fans. Reed, we have a new podcast out. It's called Strangeville. We have two episodes out, and by the time you listen to this, we might have three out. They come out every Wednesday. Uh, give us a snapshot of the cases, if you don't mind. Yeah, actually, our first episode a few weeks ago had Adam Bennett from KHOU on it. I'm still trying to figure out how exactly he manages to do everything that he does, uh, but that was a wild story out of Houston. Every episode looks at a different strange story. They're sort of true crime adjacent. It's something a little different from uh, what we do here on True Crime Chronicles. But um, Will, you host it. And I think anyone who enjoys this podcast will, uh, will enjoy Strangeville. In the meantime, we will be back next week with a new case and a new story right here on True Crime Chronicles.